0: The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that means, of course, that you are listening to the Crowncast. And it's a Wednesday Crowncast, but it's a special Wednesday Crowncast. It's World Cup Wednesdays. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's going to be called. We're calling it World Cup Wednesdays. We have actually taken the rights to all of Wednesday, and we have sold them to the World Cup. And then we have bought both of them, and then we have thrown legality out the window because we don't really know what we're talking about. But we are going to call it World Cup Wednesdays, and we're going to start bringing it to you every week so that you guys can keep up with what's happened and what might be coming a little bit in the future for the World Cup. And here to talk to me about the World Cup is, as ever, Justin. Hello, Justin. Bonjour, Logan. Bonjour, Monsieur. And our international host... Uh, I think for the first time coming at you live on the mic from the England itself, it's Ewan. Hello, Ewan.
1: Hi, guys. Yep, it's the, uh, it's the debut. Obviously, a good week for it <laughs> with, uh, with the game coming up. So, yeah, yeah, happy we, to be here. We're so happy
0: to have you. And uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with Ewan, you can find his writing on the Crowncast website, uh, and you can go and you can read some of his thoughts But this time we get to uh, we get to actually talk to you. So really special to have you on the microphone. Guys, a lot to get through. Um, The crazy thing about the World Cup is that it takes four years to get here. And then once it gets here, it's just (laughs) the beginning is what four games a day attack you with football. And we're going to just jump through sort of the most important parts. And uh, I think we have to start. With the opener, Justin, do you want to tell us sort of the the opener of Qatar and Ecuador and give us a synopsis
2: Sure. I mean, the host country, I think we mentioned this last week when we previewed this, the host country gets in automatically. So Qatar is in Qatar's World Cup for better or for worse uh, on a lot of different levels. Um, They did not show out well on the pitch. They lost two nil to Ecuador in the opening match. Uh, and and to be perfectly honest, they were outclassed sort of from the opening whistle. Uh, Ecuador maybe not even the worst competition that they're going to see in this group, uh, and so this could end worse for them. But uh, they they conceded a couple of goals, penalty entered to enter Valencia, and then another goal from Open Play to enter Valencia. And you know Valencia should have and could have scored just four minutes in this was uh you know a fast start um yeah charlotte fc connection there for for ecuador as well uh alan franco former charlotte fc midfielder is on that roster so uh you know congratulations to him it was not a lot to say about this i don't expect and i don't think anybody really expects qatar to move very far in this
0: no i think ecuador won the game i think ecuador is expected to win the game I think we move on. I'm going to move us to Monday and there is one very specific game from Monday that we're not going to talk about until a little bit later because uh, y'all, you will all figure it out. I promise. Uh, but we are going to talk about England versus Iran. And, uh, for that, I'm going to go over to you and, uh, Ewan, you want to give us our thoughts on England's absolute slaughter of Iran.
1: Yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was a good way to start the tournament. Obviously it was, uh, it was a bit of a strange opening just with the caginess of it. I know that obviously it was a long injury with the uh, with their goalkeeper, which looked pretty serious given how he looked after the impact. So obviously hope he's doing well, but kind of broke up the game a little bit, him going down and then going down again. It just it was one of them where you wonder if we're really gonna get started and, and it's one of them maybe it gets to nil nil at half time, then it's nil nil at sixty minutes and you start to worry, but it was pretty much the opposite. We uh, yeah, once we uh, once we got in our groove, Bellingham scored the first goal kind of something that he's become known for with Dortmund, just those late runs, kind of old school number eight stuff, arriving quite late, heads it over the top of the goalkeeper. And then, yeah, from there, just kind of, I think because of the pressure that most countries are under, but especially kind of England with how everyone kind of knows our fans are and (laughs) and the pressure to deliver, especially how the last two tournaments went, that just kind of lifted a weight off everyone's shoulders that we were playing with a lead. And then from there, we, you know, get a second, get a third bring some guys on they score as well Saka looked really really which was especially good for him how
3: his last major tournament ended it was good to see that back on a big stage and he and as well as he does which probably be one of the keys to I think a
1: final tournament he'll need to well because obviously south so yeah it was uh, it was about as good as you can ask for the two goals that we conceded I'm not too concerned about the first
3: one kind of came for no finish, and the second one,
1: almost more worrying on a VAR situation because I did think it was quite soft, but <laughs> we'll uh it's the, yeah, the only running with VAR we have. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, uh, it's a lot easier to not be upset about the bad VAR decisions when, uh, when you win the game six to two. Yeah. Uh, I will <laughs> say one of the questions I think we had about England was whether or not they would figure out how to get firing. And in the first match, they come out absolutely firing. So we will talk more about that in the future. Uh, just Justin Senegal and the Netherlands. The Netherlands come out
2: 2-0. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I think exciting for me as a Manchester United fan because Cody gokpo scores an absolutely gorgeous header and he'll probably be in Manchester come January. Um, but, you know, uh, this is a Senegal team that, that's that got a lot of talent. They're unfortunately missing their their premier talent in Sarayamane. And so, you know, I think it's going to be very difficult for them, uh, especially... The, the Dutch were always going to be a, a particular challenge for them. The 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 Orange were going to bring this one. And um, I think it's going to be difficult for them to claw their way back against, I think, an Ecuador side that's got a lot of talent going for it, too.
0: Yeah, that, that seems to about sum it up uh, for that match. Uh, I'm going to hop in here, and I'm going to really quickly touch on what I think is probably the biggest upset, although not the one I am most excited about. Uh, in the tournament, and that is Argentina does fall in their first match. They lose two one to Saudi Arabia, and I think that this is one of the matches that if you had looked at like the sports betting pages, you couldn't even place a bet on Argentina because, you know, or you would have lost money on the bet. I don't, I don't bet money on sports, so I don't really know how it works. But I, I think everyone expected Argentina to sail through this. I think it's something like 10 minutes in. Uh, Messi scores a pen for, for Argentina. It looks like it's going to be smooth sailing. And Saudi Arabia comes out and in, I think it's the space of something like 15 minutes, put two beautiful goals in the back of the net and uh, go on and win the game. It's a huge upset. Saudi Arabia takes down Argentina. And really quick on these big ones, I'm going to ta- ask you guys this question. And that is Justin... Do you still think Argentina makes it out of this group?
2: Um I I think so. I I think so. <laughs> this think? is so much more difficult all of a sudden cuz the other the other teams in this group are Mexico and Poland and they're not pushovers. Saudi Arabia you would think on paper the weakest of the four in this group. So dropping points against Saudi Arabia is incredibly dangerous for Argentina. That said, one would assume backs against the wall sort of situation that, that Argentina will come out firing in their, their subsequent matches against Mexico and Poland and um, probably still net six points Um, question is whether or not it's going to be enough to, to get them out of the group.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to make you place your bet right now. Argentina makes it or doesn't make it out of the group. You're going, yes.
2: I think they make it out of the group. Yeah.
0: You and what's your bet. Do they make it or do they, do they fall out here?
1: I think I think they do make it. I think they win both of their games uh, against Mexico and Poland. Just to um, just to touch on what you mentioned there in terms of the, the the sort of scale of the upset in terms of betting on Argentina, I believe they were one to eight, which means that you would have to bet eighty dollars to win ten. So that's the uh, <laughs> that's wow. the that's the scale of the upset uh, in that game. <laughs> yes. for, for, yeah, for context, Japan today were I think only sort of one to three which is not even half. Which, which <laughs> is still a huge
0: upset. We'll, we'll get to Japan in a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah, I, w- I will say, uh, I think Argentina has the class to go out and beat Mexico and Poland. I, I think both of those are good teams, but uh, we saw Poland. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Neither one of them take three points. I do think Argentina, it, they had their stumble. If they don't stumble again, they make it out of this group. Uh, Denmark and Tunisia is a nil-nil draw. Uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, they went out, they played a game of football, nothing, uh, you know, they share the points, and we move on to Mexico and Poland, which has a little bit more uh, effect on our previous conversation for uh, Argentina and Saudi Arabia. Poland comes in, and uh, they do have a penalty, and it is one of what I believe is thus far only two penalties that are not made at the World Cup and uh, it hurts. Justin, you want to tell us about it?
2: Yeah, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, Guillermo Ochoa, the uh, goalkeeper for Mexico, is like a werewolf that only becomes a werewolf once every four years. He is only like he is not good at the club level. I I personally don't think he's particularly good during qualification or anything like that. But somehow at the World Cup, Guillermo Ochoa becomes of an incredibly good goalkeeper. Uh, He stops a Robert Lewandowski uh, PK. Uh, I will say, as a Charlotte FC fan too, had Poland chosen to sub Karol Swiderski on to take that penalty, I think they get it. Uh, I I think Swiderski puts that one past Ochoa and Poland wins this match. So maybe think about using Charlotte FC players more uh, international squads. Um, But yeah, you know, beyond that moment, it's a very obvious penalty that that, uh, Lewandowski is taken down in the box. I don't, all joking aside and homerism aside, you don't say, oh, Robert Lewandowski, step aside and let someone else take this penalty. It's just that Guillermo Ochoa you know, somehow manages to stop it.
0: Yeah, they are, they are actually making, uh, Guillermo Ochoa Superman costumes, uh, just purely for his ability and goal in world cups. That's, that's (laughs) what I have been told the latest, like hot business strategy is, uh, zero, zero. It means that group is still wide open. It means that Argentina is still in it. And, uh, it means that, uh, Poland and Mexico have a lot to do in their, their next Upcoming matches: France, Australia, Ewan. England and France have long, you know, standing in history been the best of friends. They've never had any <laughs> bad blood between them, and so clearly, your best buddy neighbors, uh, you know, a lot about. Do you want to lead us through the France game?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it looked like it was going to be uh, more of an interesting game than it ended up being. Obviously, with uh, Australia taking the lead early. Uh, with the uh, goal from Goodwin, but it just it, it almost similar to the England game. Not to not to compa- make it exactly the same as that, but it just feels like once a team with that much quality and that much continuity, having a manager for so long, as soon as they hit their stride, it just feels like they're kind of unstoppable for a team like Australia. It's, I mean, Mbappe was <laughs> incredible in this game. He's probably probably the best player in this tournament. you can argue with uh, Neymar maybe you know some people still think Messi is one of the best but for me it would be Mbappe, I think he showed it in this game as well, I think you started seeing him having some real fun in this game as well which he doesn't seem like he has much of for PSG (laughs) so (laughs) that was uh, I think this France team is you know as good as advertised there are a lot of people's favourites and they kind of showed it in this game, someone like Olivier Giroud as well is not someone who gets a lot of credit for the stuff he's done in his career but you know, he, he became France's joint all-time top scorer with Thierry Henry, and he's just kind of perfect for this team. I get Benzema is, is the Ballon d'Or holder, and you'd obviously rather have him, but Giroud just slots in there so seamlessly. It's, yeah, it's, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be a really tough out for whoever has to play them come the knockouts, because I think they'll make the knockouts pretty uh, pretty easily from now.
0: Yeah, France is one of those teams that, when Kareem Benzer was Karim Benzema was announced that he wasn't going to be there. The question was how well would the gap get filled? Um, when you come out of your, I realize that England put six, but when you come out in your first match and you put four in the back of the net, you know, Olivier Giroud is a, is a player who politely spoken just won't go away. Um, like I personally love Olivier Giroud. He was an Arsenal player for a long time. I think he was underrated at Arsenal. um, I understand there are, are weaknesses in his game, but the guy seems to score goals in tournaments. It is amazing how this guy seems to score goals in tournaments. And and it's working. So even without that player, France putting up four goals and, and really just taking, you know, Australia off of this game, uh, well done to them is I think about the only thing that we can say. Justin, do you want to say anything on the France squad?
2: Well, real quick, I I do want to mention and and it's been touched on a little bit, but like you look at, and I know we'll talk about this more in a little while when we dive a little bit more into what's happened with England and what we're looking forward to, but there's been a little bit of concern around Harry Kane. The drop-off from Harry Kane at the nine for England to Callum Wilson, not saying Callum Wilson's a bad player, but it's a it's a considerable drop-off in skill. It's it, The drop-off from Kareem Benzema, as good as he is, to Olivier Giroud is not, is not that big a drop-off. And it speaks so much about where France is as a footballing nation now that they can go, oh, yeah, we lost the Ballon d'Or winner and probably, you know, arguably with Lewandowski, the best striker in the world right now. We're okay.
0: Yep, we're fine. (laughs) Uh, I am going to push us along Group F. uh, We have Morocco and Croatia playing each other today. Uh, They come out nil-nil. Uh, not a lot to touch on in this game, other than there is another match that goes on in Group F uh, that just finished as we are recording this. It literally finished within the hour, uh, and that is Belgium and Canada. And I am going to give uh, this one to you. And Do you want to talk Belgium and Canada, or do you want to hand it off to one of us?
1: Um, I only managed to catch certain parts of this game kind of following it um while well, sort of on the move so i might not be the best person to speak about this one although i did notice that <laughs> online during the first half of this game everyone was like wow canada's really uh they're really up for this <laughs> it was almost similar to the to the us in terms of just the first 30 minutes in what people thought would be you know obviously people thought the us game would be a little you know a, a closer game and people thought belgium would be a lot better than than uh than Canada. It, it yeah. seems similar that both teams. It was like, wow, they're really <laughs> they're really up for this one. But um, I didn't manage to catch too much of the game. I think um, I think Justin, I think you managed to uh, to watch it. Is 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 that correct?
2: Uh, I was I was checking highlights and stuff, and and saw some you know some of the highlights and watching the game cast and some of the reaction. I I will say that I agree with you. I think that this is a situation. Belgium wins one nil off of, of a Mishi goal, but. I th- Canada was denied a couple of I'm not going to call them nailed on penalties but
0: they were close to nailed on penalties. It was close.
2: <laughs> and and to to be denied two of them at least one of them should have counted. Uh or like yeah. at least one of them should have been given. Um Belgium In- is a very good squad but Canada is better I think than the scoreline Indicates they should have come out of this with something.
0: Yeah, and important notes from this game. Uh, you know, Canada leaves with 22 shots, which is insane. Um, Canada really took this game to Belgium. They there was no fear. Um, they do only have three shots on target, but the the 22 shots were a very clear statement of they were transitioning quickly. They were they were running at Belgium players. You know, they weren't trying to like find space. They were actively running through players saying, try and stop me. I don't think you can. It was a really, really impressive display from Canada. And I'll be honest, the scoreline, Belgium 1-0, I think most people will look at it and go, oh yeah, Belgium probably should have won that that game and 1-0. Maybe they had a bit of a tough time, but Belgium Belgium came away the victors as they should be. Uh, I really think that it's tough to say that Belgium deserves that game. I think there is a, a real argument that Belgium kind of nicked it, but that's football. And in a, in a tournament format, what matters is who comes away with the three points, and it is Belgium that comes away with the three points. Uh, that brings us into uh, Germany, Japan. And really quickly, I am going to gush about Japan. For those of you who are not familiar, I spent a significant portion of my life in Japan. I went to university in Tokyo, so I spent four and a half-ish years there learning Japanese, uh, playing tennis, being a part of the culture, Uh, and Japan really gets behind its sports. It really gets behind its teams. The the culture around sports there is so good. And when Japan came into this tournament, if you go back and you listen to my predictions, I said I knew Japan was going to be a good team. I knew they were going to be able to pass well. I knew that they were going to be comfortable working with each other, displaying that teamwork. Um, I did not know whether or not they were going to have the, the offensive power, the ability to go out and take the game and score goals in order to do well in this tournament. And uh, they absolutely let me know today that they have the power. I don't know that what Japan did against Germany, it is an upset 2-1 win, uh, is repeatable. But I know that they did it, and they looked really, really, really good doing it. Uh, we may get further into these teams for the ones that continue to make it uh, through the group stages and into the knockout rounds. Uh, Justin, do you want to take Spain and Costa Rica?
2: Um, sure. Do you want to skip the headline? <laughs> um, the headline is Spain 7, Costa Rica 0. this is this is a Spanish side that went absolutely nuts um the one of the great storylines I, I think coming out of it is Gavi scoring in the 74th minute for Spain he is the youngest player since Pele to score a goal at a world cup um which you know awesome for him but but it was an absolute murderer's row of uh of you know talent in the Spanish side Uh, attacking capability in the Spanish side and Costa Rica were just overrun everywhere.
0: Yeah, it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six different players combined for seven goals, two of which come after full time. It's just a Spain getting it done in an absolutely impressive way. The fact that England scores six goals and that's not the highest opening goal game total is, well, it's monstrous. Um, (laughs) Ewan, anything you want to say, final thoughts on Spain?
1: Yeah, it's, um, they're an interesting side, Spain, because they're kind of that, they're, they're that typical, well, not typical, but sort of international side where, you almost feel like if you could take some players from, from one position and kind of put them into another, I know this is kind of the problem Argentina had like 10 years ago where they had a load of great attacking players and no defenders. This Spain side is playing Rodri in uh, <laughs> in defence. They're playing Asensio uh, up front. Basically, they have Gavi wearing the number nine shirt. It's, it's an interesting like sort of mesh of players. And I think the reason it works is because, and uh, this It might not even be that much of a hot take. I think they have the best head coach at the tournament. I think Luis Enrique is someone who, if he left Spain at the end of this tournament, you'd have major, major clubs wanting him to come there and go to their club and be their head coach. I think he is quite comfortably the best tactician at the tournament. And I don't know how many other head coaches at the tournament will be able to make this team work the way he does. And I think that's why... Dark Horse is too strong because they're Spain. They still have so much talent, but they weren't exactly a tipped side to win this tournament. And I think after today, they're probably going to have a few more people taking them really seriously to go really far in, in this World Cup. Yeah, when you score goals like that, people are, tend to get forced to take
0: like, <laughs> um, you yeah. seriously. And if they don't, that's on them. Like That is a warning shot across everyone else in the tournament. Uh, so what I'm going to do really quickly, gentlemen, is I am going to ask each of you to give me a crown. Uh, your crown can be a whole team. Your crown can be a coach. Your crown can be a player you felt like stood out. Uh, your crown can be whatever you'd like from the, the other general matches that we've discussed so far. Justin, do you feel like you have a crown for me?
2: yeah i mean i'm going to there's there is probably a crown in that england side that needs to be handed out but but we're going to make sure that Ewan can crown whoever he (laughs) needs to from his side
0: um i I will say we're not uh do me a favor don't crown england until later i'm going to give you a proper (laughs) shot at england this is for everybody else okay (laughs) uh
2: i i have to crown uh shui the um and i'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that name but the starting goalkeeper for for the japanese side against uh germany today i mean this is a this is a powerhouse german side with a lot of attacking talent everywhere and i mean it was a lot of attacking talent that put shots on uh you know on this the the goal for gonda and um 26 shots nine on goal for germany yeah, and the only um, goal they score is a penalty.
0: I think it's a spectacular crown, um, and you're saying his name quite well, Shuichi Gonda, and uh, he did amazing. He did amazing. I, I can't. There's is no reason to take anything away from what he's done.
2: Four of those saves came in 20 seconds, as there was just a a series of shots in like the 71st minute, and he was. Flying all over the place up and down and and just an incredible performance. yeah,
0: really, really good. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to crown Takuma Asano from the Japanese team as well. Uh, you know it's it's funny to think that neither one of us has crowned anybody from from other things, but I think we both had questions about how Japan would come to the table, and Japan really answered those questions. I want to crown the entire Japanese team. But the question I had was not about the Japanese team. I know Japanese culture. I know the way they play sports. I know that that team was going to be a cohesive unit. I knew it was going to look like probably the best team we saw in the early stages. It was going to be about whether or not they had someone who would step up and and win them games. And Takuma Asano steps up, he hits the winner. It's an amazing shot. It is a super small angle. The, uh, you know, the commentators were saying uh, a keeper should never get beat to his near post. And then they show the angle at which this ball goes in. And he goes, yeah, but when the shot's that good, can you really blame him? Uh, Really, really, really good showing for Asano. Really, really cool to see him go out and and put the ball in the back of the net for Japan and and lead them to uh, their first win in three points in the World Cup. Ewan, do you have someone you would like to crown from the matches?
1: Uh, yes, I'm going to go with um, Harv Renard, who is the uh, the head coach for Saudi Arabia. And there's other people I could have uh, nominated from that team. Obviously, they play pretty incredible. The keeper played really well. It was an incredible uh, incredible winning goal from, uh, I think it's uh, Alder, Alder Westari. I think I'm hopefully pronouncing that right. So there's other people who could have gone for in that team. Obviously, it was an incredible result but I'll go with Harvard now because I think the way that they set up was incredibly brave and a lot of people in that situation playing against Argentina would have done sort of the standard, okay, we'll play with a back five and we'll have four playing very narrow in midfield. And then just one guy at the top kind of chasing everything. But especially in the world cup, you think about going and setting up a certain way. And if you kind of do that and you're representing your country and it's a really proud moment, you just kind of go there and you play really defensive and you lose anyway and you, Sort of go out in the groups, It's like, well, what was all that for? Instead, they kind of stuck to their laurels and went out and played with this incredibly high line, which people within the first sort of twenty-five, thirty minutes of the game were saying, "This is gonna, this is gonna get this team absolutely destroyed." They just, and I mean, it was, and you can say that the stats kind of bore out that they don't win that game um, in <laughs> in a very repeatable way because the XG was very favourable towards uh, towards Argentina. But I don't think there's any way that that game can be favourable in the metrics towards Saudi Arabia. They have to just play a style and hope they get a bit of luck here and there and things come off for them. And the fact that they set up like that, the fact that it worked, the fact that they were playing that high line that Nargentida didn't really figure it out all game. They were constantly offside every single time. They broke through the line. Their attackers weren't getting up into the box in time for when it was delivered. I think it worked as well as it could have done. And I don't know if many other head coaches... Would have been as brave as to stick with the way that they play uh, in qualifying as he was in such a big game. So, yeah, I would uh, I would give it to him. Have Renard.
0: There it is. So we are going to move along and we're going to talk the USA game. Uh, The USA go into their first game of the World Cup and uh, they play Wales. And I think most people in uh, most observers of this World Cup would have said USA Wales is likely was likely going to be the closest game of this group. And it it bore out that it was the closest game of this group in the fact that it ended in a 1-1 draw. But I don't think that most people would have felt a 1-1 draw uh, felt good from the side of the United States. Justin, do you want to tell us about it?
2: Yeah, we we take the lead. The United States takes the lead uh, in the first half. I think thirty-six minute off of a great little series of play that uh, ends up with uh, Timothy Weah uh, cutting in from the, his starting right wing position and uh, slotting the goal in. And and it it was a first half where the United States really came out and said, "We're going to take it to to Wales. We're going to attack." we're going to try and find that space. We're going to keep pressing you through the midfield and look for those turnovers. We're going to attack. And and maybe the, you know, the the sharp point at the end of the spear might have been a little bit too dull, but overall it was an effective game plan and it put us up one nil. Um, and and Wales makes a substitution uh, at halftime, Dan James comes off, Kiefer Moore comes on. It does change the game there's also i think a tactical change for the united states that i disagreed with but i think logan will get into that in a minute mm-hmm. yep. and it ends up with um walker zimmerman making a, a an absolutely mindless and indefensible challenge on gareth bale in the box conceding a penalty and then bale blasts um what i'll call an is a, an unstoppable penalty into the upper right hand corner uh, you know, the, Matt Turner in the net for the United States guesses right, dives in the right spot, and I think maybe even he gets fingertips to it. But Gareth Bale just blasted that thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think if he had gotten a couple more inches of his hand on that ball, he might not have had a hand anymore. Um, yeah, it really uh, it says something that Gareth Bale was willing to step up and hit that ball that hard. Um, but he made sure that even if even if Matt Turner guesses correctly there's no way that that ball is being stopped. It was, a, it was a very well-struck penalty. But it was definitely one that I think most people will feel y- the United States should not have given away. Um, I guess the, the big talking points here is, what does this mean for the United States? And Justin, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I'm never wrong. That's not true. <laughs> I'm wrong sometimes. The way that I am looking at this, I will be honest, I do not like the outcome for the United States. Because my big question about England, as we discussed beforehand, and we'll get into the, the preview for England and the U.S. here in a bit, my big question for England was, are they going to be able to find their feet? I know England has the talent. We are all big. Uh, everyone here on this podcast is a big supporter of the Premier League. A lot of the guys on that team are world beaters playing in the Premier League right now. They have the ability to go out and put up an absolutely incredible squad that can just demolish teams. Clearly, they put six goals in the back of the net. Because they have done that, my thought process says, I think England, or I think the United States is going to have enough to get by Iran. I think Iran is going to go totally in their shell and who could blame them? But I also think Wales is probably going to have enough to get by Iran. I think that those both might be KG one nil, 2 nil games. But it seems to me like most likely the United States and Wales both beat Iran. Which means what it will likely come down to is who fares better against England. And Justin, here's my concern. I think you would say the United States of America has a pretty good midfield. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. I think you would say that we have a pretty good offense with some exciting talent. Would you say that's accurate?
2: Definitely there, yeah.
0: I think you would probably say that the weakest part of the United States team is our defense. Would you say that's accurate?
2: Uh, Yes, with some caveats, but yes.
0: And then I would go on and say Wales is a team built almost entirely around defense with the expectation that Aaron Ramsey and Gareth Bale and a couple others are going to try and break for counters. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. Which means I have a real concern that coming off of such a hot round in the the opening game, Bukayo Saka, as much as it pains me to say it, Harry Kane the attacking talent on England might come out and just find a way to put four past the United States. And then all that, if Wales does their job, all Wales has to do is just literally park the bus and say, look, you can beat us 2-0. You just, we're just not going to let you beat us 4-0. Do you, do, you, do you share my fears or do you have something that might make me feel yeah. better?
2: Well, no, I, I absolutely share your fears, because this is also where the vagaries and, and it, weirdness of World Cup scheduling can can bite you, right? Because we have to play England Friday, Wales gets to play Iran. Let's assume that probably the more likely result is England beats the United States, Wales beats Iran. All of a sudden, England's sitting at six points, Wales is sitting at four, US. is at one, and Iran is, Iran is at zero. Even if we beat Iran, we're now at four points. If Wales and England, who have to play the last match against each other, just play to a nil-nil draw, that's enough for both of those teams to move on. And it's one of the weird vagaries of scheduling that it can end up this way. And so it is very risky and very dangerous now for the United States, given the way the schedule laid out, that that you know you're not gonna be able to find your way out of the group stage. Because Walker Zimmerman lost his head for, for five seconds.
0: Yeah, it is a, a short-form tournament. And the very real truth is one bad mistake can put you in a really bad position. I don't think it's unsal- unsalvageable. I think it is you know, possible that the USA go out there and maybe get a result against England. Um, uh, I think that you know, Wales could slip up and not beat Iran. But I do think it's probably fair to say that considering the way it's scheduled out, considering the, the way these teams play, USA is now looking at a slightly uphill climb. Would you say that's fair?
2: Absolutely. And, and you know, and there are a couple who are to blame for, for that sort of uphill climb now. Yeah. Um, Obviously, we've talked about Zimmerman. I touched on it briefly, but but I do want to try and dive a little bit further into it if we can just take a second. And that is the tactical change at halftime. Greg Burhalter tells this team stop doing what has worked and start playing defensively. Start stopping, you know, start trying harder to stop them. Kiefer Moore, like I said, comes on at halftime and he really does change this game. But the United States sat back and said we're going to absorb pressure and we're going to stop trying to press. And I think that was the wrong choice.
0: Yeah. In fact, we are going to go ahead and Justin, you and I will do a crown and a card for this game. And then you and I'm going to have you do a crown and a card for the English side. Are you good with that? Yep. Yep. All good. All right. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and steal your thunder, Justin, and I'm <laughs> going to give my first crown or I'm going to give my first yep. card and it is going to be uh, Greg Burhalter himself. Uh, For all of the reasons you have just mentioned, uh, he came out and the USA was playing a really attacking front footed style. And I was like, "Okay, yes, yes, that's where our talent is. That's where we want to be. Our midfield is good enough to hold the, you know, hold the midfield down. We seem to be playing as a clean unit. Great. Do this the entire game and and you are going to suffocate your opponent. And then at halftime, all of a sudden, we just decided that we were never going to attack again and that we wanted to live in our box. And anyone who has ever heard me talk about football will tell you, I want to play in the opposing team's box. Mistakes, crazy random outcomes, the, the, the random draw of luck goes for you in the other team's box and it goes against you in yours it is it is kind of maybe it's oversimplification to say that if you play in front of the other team's goal you are going to score more goals but if you play in front of the other team's goal, goal you are going to score more goals and concede less goals and uh greg berhalter says nope we're going to play in front of our goal and especially after the united states had done it so well in the first half i don't understand why the second half was what it was that being said i am not going to ramble on about it that is going to be my card to Mr. Burhalter, Justin do you have a card for us
2: I do and there's Josh Sargent may deserve one but Walker Zimmerman has to take it for losing his head he, I, and this is the thing Zimmerman didn't have a bad game mm-hmm. but just like Christian Kalina giving the ball away just you know it, it, I'm, I'm gonna keep with what's worked for me I'm gonna blame you if you are the cause of the goal and Walker Zimmerman Absolutely loses mind and goes in in a a situation he didn't have to. Gareth Bale has his back to goal and is not a threat right there. So why dive in? Why shove your foot in there? Uh, I have no explanation for it. And for that, Zimmerman has to get the the card from me.
0: Yeah, uh, I think that's that's absolutely fair, which will lead us into our crowns. And uh, keeping in fashion, I'm going to go ahead and give my crown. And my crown is going to be Matt Turner. Um, Some of you may immediately think he's giving Matt Turner a crown because Matt Turner is now an Arsenal boy. And I am aware of my biases. Uh, I am giving Matt Turner a crown because Matt Turner has the ability to catch and hold a ball and just stop danger. There were four or five times that something looked really dangerous to the United States of America and a ball that if you or I tried to like physically catch and hold on to uh, would would ricochet off a hundred times out of a hundred. They just seemed to stick to Matt Turner, you know, crosses that came in whipped at incredible pace with incredible spin. He just stuck his hands out there and all of a sudden they were they were held by him. And he did the thing that I like for keepers, and that is he didn't get the ball and just hold it. He didn't grab the ball and go, oh, look, I have the ball and lay down on it for two minutes while everybody reset. He got the ball and he immediately sprinted to the, to his, the edge of his area and distributed it out to go and attack again. He, he took the opportunity on himself. Not only did he do very well, you know, saving shots, he did a great job getting hold of the ball and snuffing out danger. And then he said, I can take three players out of the game by just immediately running and distributing the ball. And he didn't go for crazy stuff. I think he missed a couple of long distributions, but he didn't go for crazy stuff. He just ran past two people to the edge of his area. And then he threw the ball out or passed the ball out uh, by three more. And all of a sudden the USA were looking to turn up the field with five of Wales uh, players behind them. And I like that in a keeper. I like a keeper who can look at the field and say, no, I'm not going to let you reset. This is my area. It's been under control. I don't need to take a breather. We're going again right now. You're either ready or you're not. And for that, for a very good shot stopping display, he makes one incredible save for his ability to hold the ball and for his willingness to go. Matt Turner is getting my crown for the USA. Justin?
2: yeah i i probably should crown tim wea cuz he was incredibly dangerous on the right wing and he's the goal scorer but but Anthony robinson for me was absolutely brilliant getting forward from the left back side uh, it, he is the just the best fullback i think the us sides ever seen he gets forward well he defends incredibly effectively uh he puts in great crosses he he puts in you know crosses that are are hittable. He connects with other players. I thought Anthony Robinson did a phenomenal job. And, and, you know, as we get into talking about what's going to happen on Friday, I think if the U S gets something, it's going to be in large part because Anthony Robinson has a great game going both ways, uh, in that. Yeah. Uh,
0: very well done to him. Uh, I think that all we can do is, is look forward to the future and see if, uh, the United States can can pull out a result against England. But speaking of them, Ewan, would you like to give us a crown and a card from England's first match?
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the crown side is obviously a lot easier than the, uh, than the card. There's a, few, uh, <laughs> there's a few nominees who, uh, who could be I, I in can, for this one. Um, I can give you a couple of card nominees. Yeah. <laughs> Um yeah I might have to leave that to you guys it's probably a lot easier for <laughs> to <laughs> you to decide than uh, than me but i w- i'll give the um i'll give the crown to uh to bellingham i'll give the crown to bellingham yeah, uh, yeah he looks I, super good he is pretty i i know there's a there's a thing with uh, english fans overrating their own players which i think has been uh, on the whole true for the last sort of ten fifteen years but i think with bellingham he's a he's probably just as good as advertised. The fact that he's so young and already has so much experience and so much command, he's, you know, it, it almost makes you wonder about you know, 18 months ago with the Euros, if he'd have been playing in those games a little bit more, if we might've had, uh, if we might've gone all the way and, uh, and won the tournament. But he is, he he is one of the first names on the team sheet now. And, and that was his, uh, that was his first goal for England uh, against, uh, against, Against Iran on uh, on Monday, so I think it has to go to to him. I mean, obviously Saka would be another strong candidate. Him just coming back after uh, after what happened in that Euros final and just first competitive tournament game after that. Just yeah, I mean, like there was no no pressure on him when he's carrying so much. It's <laughs> it's pretty incredible
0: for someone again who's so young. I think another thing that we can look at is is the combination between Bukayo Saka and Jude Bellingham and see how beautiful it is. And possibly hope to see that far into the future. You know, maybe at, maybe at club level. Um, you know, just the continued beautiful relationship between Bukayo Saka and Jude Bellingham. Very Two young English players who both look like they're going to grow up to be absolute world beaters. Uh, and long may they play together, probably even at club level.
1: Well, uh, that's the thing on the other side as well. Mason Mount in the 10 and Raheem Sterling on the left and then Declan Rice playing behind them. There'll be a lot of Chelsea fans probably hoping that that is something <laughs> that they can get used to as well. If, uh, I, think I think you'd take that if, uh, if if they got Rice and you managed to get Bellingham. I think that would be a fair, uh, a fair,
3: a be fair a, trade. I think
1: yeah, I think I think you'd both take that if that was the outcome.
0: <laughs> I, I would I would shake Chelsea's hand right now, and that's saying something. It, it's a it takes a lot to get me to shake Chelsea's hand. Uh, I do think there are a couple of candidates out there for uh, cards, but I am going to make you you and give the card. It is unfair if an American is the one to to call out an <laughs> English player.
1: Yeah, like a, like I say, it's uh, it's difficult to call out someone, so I'll almost do it relating to this game. With a, a sort of a view forward as well, I think that at this moment, Derling is maybe blocking the door for someone who is a little better at this moment in time for the games going forward. Obviously, against the round, it didn't really matter so much, and he did score. It was a you know a good finish. Kane put in a good ball and he uh, and he put it away. But you just do see moments with him in that game, like we've seen before this season. He's quite indecisive in that Iran game. There were a couple of times where he's dribbling with the ball and there's, it almost feels like it's, you know, there's not too much thought for what's coming, uh, coming at the end, which is something which he's had for a, a long stretches of his career. And, and I mean, the issue is, is that he's always
3: been regardless of his club performance. he's, he's he kind of expects him to be dropped on Friday. Uh, but in terms of someone who in that
1: Iran game probably... Didn't play up to uh, the rest of the guys on the team. I think he would be the one. He he did score, so maybe that's the uh, maybe that's a little harsh. But I was not uh, quite underwhelmed with how he played in that game.
0: All right, so we have a crown for Jude Bellingham and a card for Raheem Sterling, one of the goal scorers. Oh, man, you you are in trouble, Ewan. Uh, the Twitterverse <laughs> is not going to love you after that one. Um, but I don't think the Twitterverse <laughs> loves anyone, so you're probably fine.
2: Yeah, uh, the Twitterverse may be imploding anyway. I I actually thought Mount was kind of poor for England. Uh, I thought it was it was wasteful more than anything else.
0: Yeah, I I didn't think Mount did an overwhelmingly good job, and I am absolutely biased in this one. But I don't understand why Harry Maguire still has a position in this team. Uh, I do think it's Harry Maguire who who loses his runner for the the goal the first goal against. Um, not that it wasn't a great move, you know. Uh, it was uh, Taremi Taremi um because he got both of them not that it wasn't a great move by Taremi it was a great move but it is Maguire who as much as Maguire gives you going forward I will always have concerns about what Maguire does to you defensively um and by concerns I mean long may he play for England because we're playing you guys next uh and that brings us into uh, sort of the last section of the podcast here, and that's going to be looking forward. Uh, Justin and Ewan, I am kind of begin- going to be handing you the reins here. And uh, Ewan, you're going to represent England. Justin, you're going to represent the United States of America. And Justin, I'm going to go to you first, and I'm going to say for the United States to get a result in the upcoming game against England, what has to happen for the United States?
2: Um, I. A little bit of luck, a little bit of Greg Berhalter saying, we're going to play 90 minutes like we did for the first 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the concerns in defense and, and how I had some caveats and everything. And, and the thing about it is, I think so much threat for England is going to come from Saka and whether it's Sterling or Foden or Rashford or whoever, you know, gets the left wing spot, uh, you know, but Anthony Robinson and Sergio Dest are the best parts of the back four for the United States. Mm-hmm. And so it is a little bit of strength against strength. I, I say that with full knowledge and acknowledgement of the fact that Harry Kane is going to be in the middle of the park. And, and, you know, if there is something that's scary to me, it's the idea of Harry Kane running at Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman in the, the center of the USA defense. But... I I think maybe there's an opportunity for, uh, you know, there to be a little bit of space against Karen Trippier going, uh, going back. Uh, You know, I hate to say it, but, but maybe the way that Tim Weah or or Gio Reyna, if he gets the start at right wing, which I would love to see, they might be able to get the beating of Luke Shaw a little bit. Um, And, and, you know, maybe if you, you know, if you've got Polisic running at Trippier and, and Wea running at Shaw, maybe you can open up some space and this feels like maybe a Haji Wright sort of game. Uh, or, or you know, maybe uh, Tim Wea gets the start in the center of the attack uh, and is flanked by Reyna, Reyna and, and Polisic. Maybe you can snatch something there because it is sort of strength against strength. And this is going to be, a, I, I think, have to be a little bit more... A little bit more cagey match, a little bit more who's going to win the battle of the midfield. Bellingham gives an obvious edge, but you know, I think that the way Tyler Adams and Weston McKenney played against Wales, it's gonna be a tough challenge because I think that Bellingham outplayed anybody in the midfield, but McKenney and Adams together outplayed you know, what, what Mount and Rice were bringing and everything. So, so you might be able to say we've got two-thirds of the midfield better, maybe. Um, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a, a fair amount of luck. It feels – we're not quite to predictions or anything like that yet, but it, it doesn't feel great for the United States.
0: All right, Ewan, from the side of uh, England, what do you see? What what worries you? What where do you feel England can be dangerous?
1: Um, I mean, based off uh, listening to you guys, I know the the result for the US was quite um, disappointing the way it happened. But I'm actually I feel like I have I'm a lot more hopeful for you guys than you are because I am I am quite worried about this game from our perspective. Um, I do think that there are certain areas where the matchup is quite favourable to you guys. I understand that there is a general... We, we generally have the better talent across the um, sort of 11 versus 11, but there are areas which uh, which will benefit you guys sort of slightly in, in terms of combinations. The one thing I do think in particular that will be important in this game, Mason Mount will start because he is kind of a mainstay in the England team with Southgate and he'll have to play well. I can see a situation where, like you mentioned... Obviously, the, the two fullbacks, who uh, Robinson and uh, and a uh, strong parts of the team. But I still think that outside midfielders will double up in those wide areas because I think they'll acknowledge that
3: Thacker and whoever it is on the left, that is where England will be.
0: Uh, you and we they'll we lost you there for just a those. minute. Oh, is it is it back now? It yep. is. Uh, you said that uh, they might double up on Sokka and whoever else is over there with him. Yeah.
3: On the uh, side, the on the other side, uh, whether that be okay. uh, or Foden, that will open the middle, and then it'll be a
1: case of okay, what can you? Do? I do think that playing for Chelsea, and probably well, I'm probably generally higher on Mason out than you two, based off. I I don't think you two are damn too convinced about him, but I do quite like him. I do think he has. I think he's good at the small stuff. I think he's got really good spatial awareness. And I think that will be really important in this game because the base will open. He'll know where to uh, sort of get in and, and where the dangerous areas will be and be best for him. And it'll almost be sort of his combination with Kane, which I think will decide this game. Given if it, I mean, if Kane is fit, obviously, if he's not playing 100%, that might be its own problem. But between those two, I think... There'll be more space for them. Mount playing generally, and if Kane's looking to drop deep, more space than they would expect to get against a team like the US, where it's not—it's uh, obviously not an awful team. It's not even a decent team. I think it, at this point, it's a—it's a good team. It's a—it's a good team with top-level talent, and it's probably more than they would expect to uh, space to get in the middle than they would expect to get uh, against a team with that kind of standard, and especially a team with that quality in midfield. But I do think if it does play out like this and they do double up on the outside keeping in mind that it could also be kyle walker playing on the outside on the right back he said he's ready today Uh, he said he's ready to play in this game Um, and if he goes with him then i think that'll definitely happen on the left side and then it'll be about what happens between those two in the middle will they be able to drop into the right areas and receive Uh, i think that will be a massive massive key to this game especially
0: all right so before we get into our predictions I am going to, to slide in here and tell you I have just received a text from our other regular co-host, Josh. Josh and he has instructed me to tell everyone, especially the listeners, that uh, America are, in fact, or the United States of America, are guaranteed to win this match if they illegally sub in Mackenzie Gaines. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, you know, he said it, not me. Uh, I, you're going to have to ask Josh about that one. We are going to move on to predictions for the game uh, Justin, you want to start with your prediction?
2: Uh, I, I, first of all, I predict that, that maybe the only change in our starting 11 is I do think that maybe Sargent gets dropped. It, I wouldn't personally be opposed to Ream getting dropped, and and you know whether it's long or or you know somebody else coming in maybe, but I think the preferred starting center backs are, are still Ream and, and Zimmerman. Um, I think you probably see Haji Wright come in over Sergeant, or like I said, way up moving into the, the uh, to the nine, um, and it, I still think this feels like a two-one to England, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna back you up here, and I'm slightly less optimistic. I am looking at a very very hot striking line of Jude Bellingham, Bukayo Saka, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Mason Mount, Jack Grealish, Marcus Rashford, Phil Foden, uh, and that is terrifying. I, I think these two teams are actually built somewhat similarly i think they both will play better being on the front foot i am just concerned that uh the the striking talent on england might be better at being on the front foot i think it we're probably going to get one uh but i think it's probably going to end up being a 3-0 england uh a 3-1 to england uh ewan what's your prediction
1: it's funny. It's funny how this has worked out because I actually have it being a draw. So it's it's really? turned out that I have the uh, yeah. It's, I, it seems like I have the highest hopes for the US. We are pessimistic game. about <laughs> our boys. <laughs> and, and, same, same over here. It seems it just seems like both sides feel quite uh, pessimistic uh, pessimistic about their own chances. But I have this. Um, I have this as a as ending one all. I think the reason why that will happen is I think that you mentioned all the attacking talent that we have. I think we will be. A lot more conservative in this game than people will expect, and also a lot more, <laughs> a lot more sort of defensive and reserved than people would hope as well. I think there is, there is form for this, uh, I, and I think it goes back to the um, the group stage game that we played in the Euros against Scotland when we already had a win against Croatia and were kind of in the ascendancy in that group, and it was just like, okay, if we don't mess up from here, we'll qualify. I think that's definitely Southgate's mo. In terms of game state and just generally how he goes about things, just kind of okay, if we're in the ascendancy, if we have almost quite sort of burholteresque esque from what you were describing from your game, this idea of if you once you get the lead or get an advantage to be very reserved. And I think because we beat Iran, I think we'll look at this and think, okay, if we just if we manage this and and we don't lose this game, we will we will kind of you know we'll we'll, we'll still be in the driver's seat in terms of qualifying. And that was what happened after we beat. Croatia in our first game in the group stage at the Euros, and then played Scotland next. Scotland are, I'd say, a slightly worse side than the US, but st- we still went about that game in an incredibly reserved way, because we were just like, okay, if we don't, if we don't mess with this, we'll be fine. We'll get through to the knockouts, and we'll work it game game by game from there. And um yeah, I, I can easily see this one being being really kind of close. And like I mentioned earlier, I do think there's real areas where the US can hurt England in this game. So. I think a one-all draw is is where you I, land. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and it may it might sound like I'm almost doing a sort of hedge on this, maybe emotionally or maybe. Shit. <laughs> but I, I I look at this game and I and I really do kind of. I mean, I just maybe again, maybe it's just the bad feeling of watching England in tournaments before have you know slightly disappointing results. But I can just I I can almost see a version of this game where it is one all with with maybe twenty minutes left. And both coaches look at each other and are like, "This is this is good with me." <laughs> is it good this with is, you? This is
0: fine. It, it is. I feel like we have to make the statement that it's amazing how much these two teams mirror each other, and the fact that both of their players are set up to be a front-footed attacking side,
1: and both of their coaches want to park the bus. Uh, well, the like, the Southgate Berhalter thing is is on a, seeing U.S. fans. Speak about their team. It's it's kind of incredible the 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 mirroring of it. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty unbelievable how how similar it seems, and also the similarity of this being as good as England have been for a long time, and the US probably feeling as good about their team as as you guys have done for for a long time as well. You'd be better positioned to say you know whether that is the case, but it certainly seems like the, the expectation for the team is is fairly high um, with a coach that you don't really believe in but a team that you do
0: (laughs) the team feels like it is definitely in the ascendancy i am going to go ahead and wrap us up there Uh, as ever if you have spent your time with us if you've decided to spend that time uh with us talking about the world cup thank you so much we love you and we hope to see you again next week for world cup wednesdays goodbye
3: queencitypodcastnetwork.com